Welcome to part two of this Vet Church podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. I don't know. I, we live in a world where I think sometimes people don't get celebrated. And, and if there was anything I could do, that's one of the things I want to do in Vet Church is when I realized, you know, when, when Scott Carpenter, who, who's in remission now from this leukemia stuff, called me out to, to do the first Vet Church interview. All the way to Portland. <laughs> it was no joke, yeah. man. Like, you're talking from Niceville, Florida to, was it Salem? Salem, Oregon, I think, or wherever. It's near Portland. It's about as far as you can go. It, 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 in a minivan. <laughs> like, now I stopped along the way and played a bunch of music and hung out with a lot of friends. But it was there that I realized that what Scott was asking me to do, I should have been doing all... I, I, you can't say you should have been, because I don't know. Yeah. But I do know what to do now. And now, it's instead of just keeping Cafe Bienville myself I share it with everybody in Fed Church and because this is one of the treasures of my life mm-hmm. you know it, it really is it's it's you help me honor my mom mm-hmm. for a for a son you know it wasn't just that my dad was 29 years in the military my dad was 29 years in the military and my mom was in those 29 years too 29 years of military wife yeah yeah and my dad I'll tell you looking back that he wasn't the best husband. The times were tough. In fact, that's one of the, the one things I love about my dad right now is that he spends his time working in different churches, not not paying, not, not in penance, but realizing that he didn't, wasn't everything he could have been as a husband. And so he's, he's making some amends up for it. And yeah. he's caring for people and he's, he's talking to the younger folks and being like, yeah, it's hard. Don't lose your family. Your family's the most important. I've heard my yeah. dad say this to somebody. He's, I was standing there, and he's like, don't, don't lose the fact that your wife is still with you. Right. And, you know, and it's like, so this place, you've done that. You've, you've cared for my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you've enhanced my life. And your food's been great. I mean, like. You don't get overweight like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my my abs don't need as much protection as they've been given, so I'm, I'm going to let some of that go now that we're on the road together. Kate and I have started walking every morning again. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I think about the idea of, of looking at what's good, what's pure, what's wholesome. That's what I wanted to ask you about your family. It's always, yeah. it, you know, it's... It's one of those things we live in a society where like if, if like Kate and I'll be married twenty years and the divorce rate for my friends, from my tribe, is huge. In two thousand and fourteen they said E five and below in the army side had eighty percent divorce rate. Wow. It's huge. And so I never want to say, Look at me and Kate, we've made it twenty years. We hang on. We're just clawing on. But then I somewhere in this mix I realized this, it's probably the most important thing of everything I'm doing. It's not the job. Of course, I'm out of the military. I got hurt. Yeah. So it's, it's not like I have this mission in my mind anymore. Because when we were there, I don't know how many dozens of meals Kate prepared or how many times she went to meet me somewhere and I never showed because the chaplain got called up and I had to go do chaplain stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't even tell her what I was doing. You know, and that happened quite a bit too. I'd be like, oh, I'll talk to somebody. Who? <laughs> and she quit asking because we yeah. never telling her. You know, like you it, it was never answered. And you know, I, I think about that. I think about the sacredness of story, and the fact that every time I've come in here, a member of your family was in here, mm-hmm. and in most of the time, more than one. And I love that. Um, I love that your son. He still got the Jeep. Yeah, he's out there driving a crazy looking Jeep. <laughs> it looks cool too, and 
It's perfect for him. Yeah, and and he's not. He hasn't. He hasn't just been like, "Screw you, Dad." Yep. You know, we live in a society where a lot of that happens, and, and and that's not the case. And I think part of it goes to the sacrifices of of y'all driving down from the farm. What you got? Like forty five minute drive every day. Twenty five. Twenty five minute drive. Twenty five. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, so like yeah, it probably so feels like forty five so minutes. That, that so early. that drive starts at five a.m. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, you know, perspective. When I lived in D.C. working at Walter Reed, there were guys in in that I worked with other chaplains who would drive in two to three hours one way. Yeah. So you know, I always put that in the back of my oh, mind yeah. and go like, yeah, it's not that, but it could be Atlanta. <sighs> yeah, you know, it could be it, it, New York, Atlanta. Um, LA. I got stuck in traffic in LA. Good lands. I'm telling you what, I man. I did not want to go. <laughs> it was so bad. It was, you know, like. Unless I, I can fly. Well, I have post traumatic stress. And so I've got this little bottle of oil. Yeah. And I've got these little, um, you know, I'd have like a glass of tea sitting there. And I have this, that. And I got a little jug. I can piss it if I need to do it because I'm just. And because you're thinking about all these things, right? Uh huh. And I get and, and sure enough, I wake up one morning. I drink a cup of coffee, and I'm like, "Oh man, there's a, <laughs> there's a, what was it? A, a restaurant that I want to eat breakfast at, like three or four exits down. I'm like, oh, I'll just make it down to there. Uh-uh, buddy. I got on that Atlanta or L.A. freeway, and er, it turned into an hour and a half, and I was okay. I made it out alive. I sniffed a little peppermint oil. Uh huh. I looked around, I did my breathing exercises, <laughs> did a little prayer too. And then I looked around and there was everybody else was stuck too. Uh-huh. And I was okay. I was just another person stuck in traffic. We used to when we lived in Atlanta, we used to keep books in our cars. Oh yeah. And we'd stuck in traffic, you know, a a, a twenty mile drive like we have now would take two, three hours sometimes. So we'd just have a book in the car and we'd sit there and read. Yeah. And people would honk at you and you know get mad because you're reading a book and they go, oh, let me creep forward three feet, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll go back to my book. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Everyone else is. This is the same boat. They're in the same boat. Yeah, and they're it, all stuck in traffic and. Well, and that's you know that's the thing with post traumatic stress is it, it's this isolationism, mm-hmm. and it pushes people away, like, they're. It's not that they're afraid. I was never afraid. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes you see these billboards and it says, the face of PTSD. This is the face of PTSD. Yeah. I'm not, like, scared, hanging out, shaking in my boots. I just saw some stuff that affected me in a way that was, I I hope that if you saw what I saw, you too would feel something and change somehow. I mean, like... What kind of country would we have if people went and did war type things and, and didn't have unchanged. yeah unchanged at all? Like that would be crazy. And so we don't have that. We have people that experience it. And and one of the things that post traumatic stress does it keeps people by themselves. Well, the whole premise of a place like Cafe Bienville is you're not alone. But you can yeah. come in here, sit down, break out a book. Look at the art on the wall. Uh-huh. Talk to you and the staff. You usually have pleasant music. Of course, for the, you know, what we're doing, we've turned off all the music. You got yeah. good music playing, and you could sit in here all day long, not have to engage with a lot of people at all. Right. Eat one meal after the other, and not be home, stuck, with the blinds shut and locked up. Yeah. I mean, places like this. We have to have community again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at, w- at one point, somebody asked me about our tattoos in the military. And I thought, well, why do folks, why do we have so many of these tattoos? You know, we got, we have tattoos. Because we can lose our arms, our legs, but you can't lose your story. You can lose your wife, you can lose your kids, you can lose your husband, but you can't lose your story. Your story stays with you. It's sacred. And then one way I started seeing the tattoo artists kind of like the priests for our tribe. Because uh-huh. they were inscribing our stories on us. You know, like like these things were, were 
helping us remember who we were, where we'd been, who we'd served with. In a sense, this small cafe is doing the same thing for a whole group. I mean, like, I've never come in here at lunchtime during the week and not seen people in uniform. Right. But there's always somebody coming in here wearing some kind of... Probably all four branches. Yeah. And, and yeah. people from, from different countries. Yep. I've seen people from England in here, and I think some Czech people one time. And uh, we've had Italians and Australians, and uh, uh, you know, working, you know, training at Eglin. And it's it's building community. Oh yeah, it's a safe place, and it, you know, if I, I would almost think that if somebody was wanting to have, like, they're looking at, like, what to do with their life, build community. Like in in a one sense, you haven't just created these incredible, sensational tasting platters of food. You've created a place for people to have community. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the European cafe, and that was that's intentional because those European cafes or or English pubs, you know, a pub is not a bar. Um, and if you've been to England, you know that it's a it's a public house, and it's. You go there and you hang out. That's, the community is there, and um, you know we're not a pub by, by any stretch of imagination. But we wanted that that feel where people could come and hang out without stress, without um, hassle from a, a wait staff who you know I, I, I need to go home. Can I wash your table and, uh, and get you to pay out? You know it's yeah you you, you pay ahead of time and and uh, and you're done and you can stay all day yeah there's there's a lady uh who lives in town or just across the bridge who at the old place sat down plugged her computer in to the wall and finished her law degree right at cafe at cafe bienville and uh and she's doing some she's doing great work uh for foster kids over in the uh uh on the the destin side of the bridge there uh, her name's Jessica Steele. She's about to get married to uh, a really great guy named Philip Bauer. So there's a couple more shout-outs for uh, uh, some, some awesome people. That Congratulations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, th but that's the, the community that we wanted to build here. Um, Got a rogue fly. Yeah. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, you know, we, we wanted that kind of a place where people felt comfortable coming in. Um, you know, we... This happens uh, uh, here as well. It took a while to get started over there, but people come in for breakfast and they stay all the way through and then they'll have lunch and they'll stay and at four o'clock we start closing down and say, hey, what time do you guys close? And we say, you know, 15 minutes ago. And they go, <laughs> oh, why did you say so? Because so, you're fine. You know, we, it's, we're not done until about 4.30. You know, well, when we got to lock up, we'll kick you out. Yeah. But well, I've, I've been in here quite late sometimes yeah. talking with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I like talking. <laughs> Have you experienced that? No, I haven't either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's, it was intentional. You know, we, we wanted a, a community place, somewhere where people can come and relax and not be stressed out and, and be with their friends and family and maybe make new friends and family. Let me ask you another thing. We live in a society where if somebody doesn't agree with me, or I'm done with them. It, it seems to be a norm. Like we, yeah. we've come to a place in our society where, where people just quit talking. All right, he's a, she's a, and there's these labels that have been put out, uh -huh. which is so anti-community. How, how have you avoided some of that? What's the emphasis on that takes away that kind of stuff well I try not to bring it up um, but when it gets brought up I I try to be as diplomatic as possible um, but, but I, you know I, I, I know the persuasions of uh, a lot of our customers and um, you know we, we got people from all across the spectrum politically and, and I think there you know there's some people who come in and uh, you know, if, if, we, if we see them here and then somebody else comes in and we go, 
I hope that neither one of them talks too loud too near the other because there's going to be a fight. <laughs> uh, because, because this one is, a, is extremely far left and this one's extremely far right and they're both very vocal people and you're going, uh-oh, <laughs> why don't you sit over it? You know, we, we, we've never had to actually direct anybody, but, the, you know, it's a... Uh, I think one of the things, though... But we, we try to... It's the art. Yeah. Like, you've taken people's emphasis off of, like, where I stand being so important. Yeah. And, and kind of placed it on where I sit. Uh-huh. Is with people that... Okay, so they don't agree with me. Because everybody knows that there's other people out yeah. there. And, like, I, I remember, like, somebody commented on the art the other day. And she didn't like a piece. And I thought to myself, I really like that piece. And <laughs> it was kind of funny because I'm, I'm listening to this lady talk. And I thought, man, art can be so healing. Just in the yeah. fact that we had that to talk about instead of something else. Right. And, and if you think about it, it takes all kinds. You know, you, you look at this piece by, by Terry Johnson. And you say, "Wow, that's really great! Look at the light coming down, and the, mm -hmm. you know, what a, what a, inspirational, kid yeah, kid going fishing. What a, what a positive message, and you know, I really like that." And the next person is going to go, "Yeah, that's not my cup of tea. I'd rather look at the, you know, the iguana over there or something." But you can agree to disagree. How many it's, artists do you it's feature? It's just a painting. Um, we started with two, and I think we're up to about twenty now. And we haven't got all of them on the walls yet. We're still. Um, we've always been in here a month. We've been in here a month, and uh, <laughs> and we keep, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hang four or five a week, uh, you know, on the days that we uh, have uh, a little time after work. And uh, you know, well, it takes time. It does take time. But you know, anytime it takes you move, time to make a lot, a lot of your vets, uh, you know, they've they've been in the military. They know what it takes to move. Oh yeah. You know, you you get to a place, and uh, you know, with some of the the tour links now, you you know, you might you might never unpack all the way. You'll get the you get most of your stuff out, and uh, we know something and, about that from the last <laughs> last couple of weeks. There were boxes that went that never was, got opened since I was a private. Yeah, we never, and we we're like, whoa, let's look in here. It was like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, it went to the trash afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, it was fun. But you you, you can. Go from one place, and you can be in one place. You can PCS to another place, and you start unpacking, and you got work, and the kids are in school, and you get going things here, and then you get PCS again, and we haven't even unpacked these boxes. Yeah. So you just peel the sticker off from that moving company and put the new <laughs> sticker on from the old moving company, and it's still got the same label that says living room on it, and it just go. You know, if it's the boxes label, you might have to change the box, but you. Um, I had you know, outdoor. It just, it just goes from one box to the next, and it goes back to the next equipment place. with yeah. like five or six of those little stickers on it from all the different moves. Yeah, I was like, good night. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it takes time. Yeah. So but again, the the art, you know, you you know, you look at a at a piece of art, and and it has to it has to say something to you. You know, again, you talk about telling your story. Well, these artists tell their stories too. And if, you know, maybe this piece doesn't speak to you, um, but it speaks to me, and it's important for me to listen. It's, it's important that that story gets told. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, I mean. Just, ju you know. Absolutely. You know, and, and it, you know, just because the first person you try to tell a story to doesn't get it or doesn't, isn't, isn't, isn't listening, maybe the next person will. We, and that's the one that you need. And that's real, like, man, that's a huge lesson. Because, well, you know I've played music for a long, uh -huh. long time. And and you knew about Daily and Seven Days yeah. when, when we, we were doing that. I've got the CD in my office. In, which one? I, we did five CDs. Uh, Threadless Seams. Okay, that's the first. That was the yeah. first of the first. Yeah, he knows the name. Woo. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And, um, <laughs> you, man, you talk about, like, you keep making art, not because anybody's patting you on the back. Yeah. You, you make art not because they're giving you money, not because you're ever going to be famous. Right. And what I found with doing this, 
Um, I started the whole retired army chaplain thing up. Not because I wasn't making it anywhere else, but because it was still important to tell my story. Uh-huh. And then I realized that I wasn't telling my story. That those songs weren't just my songs. There were songs were a culmination of everything I'd heard over the years from all the other yeah. soldiers, s- sailors, airmen. I mean, I, I worked with Marines in the Korangal Valley. In the Korangal Valley, there was Marines. I remember like going to get on a plane, and last summer I was at somebody's house, and they were telling me, you remember where we were at? We were in the Korangal Valley. <laughs> I didn't even know where I was at. <laughs> I mean, I just went where I was told, you know. But there was this Marine sitting out there waiting for a flight back to somewhere else. And then there was there was Navy personnel that were there. I, I met Coast Guard people in Kuwait. I mean, just like DOD civilians, contractors. People thought, you know what, I'm going to do something big and important because it, it's worthwhile. So when I'm singing that music... It's from the stories that have filtered through my mind, and I can uh-huh. ne- you can never talk about it when you're a chaplain. Like what was said to me was confidential, and will always be. Right. But I can tell my story, and so that music was me playing, and I, and I wasn't playing it for everybody. Not everybody's going to get it. Yeah, I get that. And so, I think I'm doing a show next week that's pretty big and important to me. I'm over at Thirty A Songwriter Radio. Okay. Uh, yeah. Joe sat down there by on Thirty A. And, um, and I'm going to do a two-hour show on Friday night, and I was I was trying to prepare it, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to all this, you know, I'm, I'm going through some YouTube stuff, and I'm watching these live concerts, uh-huh. and I'm like, listening to the people that I've respected over the years, and then I realized, me and my wife were talking, and Kay said, and nobody listening for that, they're coming to hear you tell your story. Sure. And, and when I play with... Tebow Montgomery up there, he, he lets me play it in a lot of his shows. I've been playing at Florida Bama for the last few weeks, and he does a two-hour thing on, or a four-hour thing on Tuesday. He lets me sit in the whole four hours, man. You know, I mean, yeah. I only play three or four songs an hour, but yeah, I'm there. It's, I'm part of the show now, and it's, and it's well, when I'm well and in town. Yeah. And um, I'm going to play with him Sunday at uh, the Best Western, I think he said, out in Orange Beach. But it's not about being a rock star. Yeah. It's about being who I am. It's about sharing my story. It's like, it's like when, I, when I say to folks, when you brought out, you know, I take an order over here, food gets made in the back, somebody brings it out, and they're like, Matt, your order's ready. So I right. walk over and I pick up my order, and I look at that, and it is a work of art. You put the bread a certain way. You got this little thing sticking out of it. It's the the lots of thick, incredibly good tasting bacon are laying this way. It's this is miniature creation, an expression, yeah, of what, and it's edible, and it's edible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but it blows me away that it's not for everybody. Not everybody eats bacon. True. Not everybody, Not everybody eats a Cafe Bienville. No, they don't. Yeah. They should. And they should have well, chicken Well, we don't like shooting on people, but I'll tell you what, Kate's right. You should. <laughs> Come on, give it a try. But, it, I, you know, so, and, and some people, you know, some people want, don't like sandwiches. Yeah. Some people want to have a waitress. You have great salads. We, you, your salads I, I eat a salad every day. Do you? Well, it's really like well, you three don't salads. get all this ingredients too, don't you? Like you, you come up with all this stuff. Like you said, yeah. the, you were telling so many when your buddies stopped by. Christopher E. Schwartz, PA Schwantz. Schwantz. Oh, sorry. May the Schwantz be with you. Um, <laughs> he's a uh, he sells houses and stuff here. Um, good guy. We we're sitting yeah. talking for a few minutes. He ta- he'd read the book Tribe. I, I, if y'all haven't read Younger's book Tribe, it's an incredible book because we are a tribe. And we we're sitting talking a little bit about it. And I heard you say to him something about like, "Yeah, when I ran out of peanuts or peanut butter, I had to run down to get some peanuts." You uh-huh. make your own peanut butter? We make our own peanut butter. What do you make? You make peanut butter. Do you make your jellies? 
Don't make jelly. Mayonnaise? You used to make mayonnaise. You make something, though. It tastes... What's that stuff we, uh, you put on the BLTs? Uh, we take a, a basic mayonnaise, and then we doctor it up a little bit. A little mustard, a little lemon, a little house seasoning. Oh, it's it's so good, I thought for sure it was loaded with some kind of cream. I was like, yeah, are you man. sure I can eat this? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you you <laughs> Roasted garlic. Oh, you make all these breads. We don't make our own bread anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore? No. Well, we the, but the scones. We make the scones. Yep, those are uh, uh, from scratch here. Uh, beignets. Sometimes I call this place Cafe Beignet. Cafe Beignet, yeah, I've heard it's that like, before. Kate, I'm coming down to Cafe Beignet. She's like, it's Bienville. <laughs> yeah, we know what you meant. They're incredible. Yep. Hey, what else do you make? Um, we slow cook our pork. We slow cook our chicken. We slow the duck confit. The we duck. slow cook that. Um, let's see, the fish and shrimp that gets cooked right away. That's uh, Not a lot goes into that. We make all of our salad dressings. Uh, we take that that basic mayonnaise that's on the BLT, mm -hmm. and we doctor oh, that up in, in five other different ways. Uh, so each each sandwich that we have has its own mayonnaise that uh, that goes with it. And there's the roasted red peppers and roasted garlic aioli that goes on the duck, and there's a roast just roasted garlic goes on pork, and then the, the rosemary chicken has a uh, an herb mayo with. Uh, Lots of rosemary and bay and oregano. Um, that's Kate's favorite food, by the way. Uh -huh. Like I, I, I would almost say that that's in the world. In the world, that I didn't know. It's it's pretty impressive. I can I can pretty much put her order in before you guys approach the. That's true. The counter. Because yeah. um, <laughs> you're I'll, kind of a. Well, I like to try. Mix it up every now and then. Um, what about the red beans and rice? What do you? Do? I'm like oh that doesn't goodness. taste like anything I've ever had anywhere. It's it's just uh, from scratch. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's dry beans and uh, um, we do the Trinity. We we chop that up so it's two, three, four and a half pounds of veggies goes into the the pot with four pounds of beans. Uh, the chicken stock uh, that's a little different. We I told you we slow cook the chicken. We poach the chicken, uh, whole chickens, and we pick all the meat off of that and save the bones and save the water that it was poached in. And then we uh, uh, puree some more vegetables, carrots, celery, and garlic, and bay leaves. Mix that with the bones, throw that in the oven, and roast it till it gets nice and dark brown. Uh, and then add it back to that water that we poached it in and make a, a really concentrated stock. And then I cook that down until it's a like a jelly it's basically chicken base and uh, that's what we use to make the stock for those red beans land I'm hungry <laughs> yeah. and the kitchen's been shut down for a couple of hours <laughs> it's know, killing it's me yeah. <laughs> well oh my so you serve breakfast all day long we do yeah that was the old place the, the kitchen was split we had half the kitchen up next to the dining room uh, and the other half of the kitchen where all the hot stuff was, all the gas appliances, was in the back. And it was probably 25, 30 feet between them. So we we only did breakfast for breakfast hours. Then it was like, okay, we, that's enough running for the day. Because it's 30 feet, you know, if you're yeah, trying yeah. to get all that coordination. and um, it, it was extremely difficult to do that. You know, the beignets were cooked back there. It's like, okay, we, we got to shut this down and we got to focus and get the food out. Um, do you do more than four beignets at a time now? More than four. You're making them. I thought at one time you could only make four at a time. We, we get the, the fryer that we cook the beignets in holds four orders of beignets. Um, four orders? Four orders. So that's 12 beignets. That's a dozen beignets. <laughs> Let me uh, tell you what. These beignets are incredible. Get the beignets with the BLT. It's just like... Yeah. Now, I'm... Well, I drove through New Orleans... Just recently, but I haven't stopped in New Orleans, New Orleans, and, yeah. <laughs> and and I haven't stopped there and, and had beignets. But before Kate and I were married, there's a place down there, Cafe du Monde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Those, those like 
it set the standard. And then the other day when Kate ordered beignets. You didn't even know it was coming again. Oh my lands. Kate, they were so <laughs> good. I, I was I was so impressed that Kate shared some with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she didn't the, hardly the, the milk was cooked so it was okay. Yeah, well I didn't have any problems with that. Yeah. I was like, man, they were good. Well, you know they're, what I they're huge. I know, I thought to my, like, my sandwich yeah, was this big, and the beignets were like, <laughs> there was mounds of the white powdery stuff. Sugar. Woo, sugar. It's powdered sugar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's the only powdery stuff we got. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, man, I, you know what I thought to myself while I was eating them? What's that? What if you had some kind of raspberry donut filling shoved in the middle of that? And then Kate said to me, then it wouldn't be a beignet. It would be a jelly donut. It would be a jelly donut. It was pretty Yeah. There's all kinds of things. All, you know, see, you don't artistically, you could, uh, you could fill those with a, any number of things. Hey, do you ever cater for people? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. We'd, large carryouts. Uh, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll set up a, uh, a buffet for them. Mostly, I mean, mostly church. Knights of Columbus. Uh, a couple times a year, will uh, will buy a dinner from me, and you know. And because up. you don't have any five Michelin stars, it's not gonna, you know, you could probably do a dinner for under five thousand dollars, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's usually somewhere between, d- depending on what you get, between eight and eighteen dollars a head. That's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Matt, you really need to go up your prices. You seriously should be shooting for like 25 to 30. People here have it. They got the money. I've, I've went into their houses. Yeah. I cut the grass, remember? You like, did. I see how they're living out there. <laughs> yeah, but remember, they didn't pay you. That's right. Uh, there's still some folks here that owe me some money. Yeah. I need to get Love paid. and light to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, it's... It's an incredible, like, you move in here, there's hundreds and hundreds of people that drive right. I mean, like, we, since we've been doing this, it's been nonstop traffic. Yeah. Right outside the door. You have plenty of parking in the back of the store. Earlier today, we drove by. It was packed. There was people up here. There was people all down the side. It looked like there were people in the back. I didn't drive around back. Yeah. We, we were on a mission. And I had this hope in my great sandwich coming in later in the day but it just didn't materialize but it like it's just what happens when somebody I mean like when the big people like with the TV crews and the cameras find out about you I don't know it's I'm, not, I'm not very photogenic so uh, <laughs> <laughs> make well, <keep> walking <laughs> it's, it's kind of a weird thing because like I think about stuff like that like we have this friend, uh, Sockham, what's his name? And he always tells me, he's like, man, I love eating good food. Uh-huh. And you usually have to go without spending a small fortune to feed the family. You've got to go to these hole-in-the-wall places. You've never had a hole-in-the-wall place. I mean, this is it's yeah. nice, it's clean. I mean, there's no... I remember eating at a soul food place in Mississippi and the band was playing and a rat about that big ran behind the drummer. And that didn't stop me from going back and getting more food. Because <laughs> it's good food, right? It's incredible food. <laughs> That's what I mean by hole in the wall. Yeah. There's none of that here. No. This is clean. It's neat. The problem is when I think about it, I do. I think some people are going to find out about you you're going to wind up on the food network. The next thing you know, it's going to be packed all the time. I mean, it, there's always people in here. But right yeah. now, I never have problems getting food. Yeah. What happens when... I mean, because that does happen to people. I, I know. that. You know, we talked about Michelin stars, and that's... Uh, you know, I was trying to figure out just how do you get a Michelin star. And, and part of the article was this place in... You know, London or wherever I forget where it was, but there were a, a a very casual place. They had a chef in the back doing his thing, and and there was a a European cafe, 
and he'd bring out his food and he'd go, there you go, come and get it. You know, Matt, you know, and and they brought the, you know, went and got their food and sat down and ate it and said, this is amazing food and I mean, we're going to give it a, a two Michelin star. And then he got packed and crazy busy and and he called the Michelin people and said, can you take this away? Because, you know, a, a lot of people were coming in and they were expecting fine dining. They wanted a white tablecloth and, and a waiter. They a wanted waiter the portions that are like <laughs> yeah, and they, little they, crackers. And they expect, you know, two Michelin star restaurant, they wanted a fine wine list and uh, uh, all of this, uh, all yeah, the trappings of a... some beer and wine over there. I got some beer and wine over there, yeah. I got a... My beer list is better than my wine list, but... Uh, um, and, and this place wasn't... It was, the, it was like this, you know, it was... You know, here's your food. Come and get it. And uh, and these people were coming in expecting a two Michelin star experience, and and not it's not, a, not understanding that you're still going to get that experience. It's it's going to be a little different. It's the food. But it's the, the food, food is two Michelin star food, and uh, uh, and and you know they were like, well, why don't you have waited staff? And why don't you do this? And where's your wine list? And he's like, no. I got, I got bottles of beer over there, and I got this food here. And uh, if you don't like it, then uh, then go away. But and I don't know if they ever got their Michelin stars taken away or not. But uh, <laughs> but they asked. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I give you a five bit church star rating. This is some of the best food in Northwest Florida, for real. I mean, thanks. You know, I never intended for Vet Church to be about selling anything. You know, I don't yeah. I don't talk about my music stuff. There's no people have asked me, well why don't you do a five oh one C three and and so we have a place to give money to and I I'm not doing that. No. I don't want your money. I mean I I need money to keep going. But let that be something that God tells you what to do with and how to donate. Yeah. I mean if you want to tip me, there's a tip jar in there for when I play music. Because I work too, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. a job. But seeing the sacredness of somebody's story is seeing the value of it. And the value of coming down here and getting beignets like that for 2 or $3. I, I'm not kidding you. I think you're really underpriced in your food. <laughs> I think the sandwich that I eat, like I told Kate the other day, I said, man, get out $25. Um... I'm going to eat this and this, and, and she's going to eat whatever. And it was, what, $16? 14 something. And I was... I, I, it's good food. Yeah. It's better than when I've ate and I've sat down and the waiter brought over this and I put on the, the cloth napkin and I had all the right forks. and mm -hmm. That mess is, has nothing to do with the food. Your food is incredible. And if I could help my tribe out, it would be to share the sacredness of some of the story. And some of that story is about a man who gets in a plane and does whatever he's told to do. And his son turns into a man who takes those stories and the courage of that story and says, I'm jumping into a world that is nuts. And I'm gonna make crazy drinks and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna experiment to celebrate the local culture, and I'm gonna make food that, yeah, they're making that in New Orleans, and there are probably like 40, I mean, there's gotta be other chefs just like you all over the country. Oh, I'm sure there are, yeah. That have studied your, yeah. I mean, like you, I, you I, we've talked about the books you've read to learn to become a chef. It wasn't just, when I say you're a scientist, you're a, I, this guy's a scientist. He's, he's like <laughs> doing numbers and stuff, you know, like to make the food taste right. Which blows my mind because, you know, like, as <laughs> close as I'll ever be to a chef is, can I take your order? I'm like, <laughs> that would be my greatest hope right there is places like McDonald's would make me a chef. Because <laughs> I could never cook this way. It's, it's an surprised. art. Oh, I've, I've, I've made a few things. Oh. <laughs> like, like we, there's no surprise. That's Kate. <laughs> the can. One, one of my friends said to me one time, he's like, the can opener is your favorite friend. <laughs> 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 
spaghetti noodle bar. Oh yeah, well that's all I have was spaghetti and barbecue sauce. Now I have that sauce I can put on it, like, <laughs> which is good stuff. That's there's another chef from there New Orleans, another guy. That sauce, um, and ketchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just you know I I like I said I didn't intend this to ever be we're gonna sell things, but then I realized that it's from from Scott Carpenter that this is about our stories. And part of your story, part of the fact that you've taken care of your children, the children's children, the grandchildren of veterans, is because you have money and you work and you work hard yeah. and you, you put and you reinvest what money you do have. And so your true wealth isn't in your cars. I've seen some of your cars. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not in, in your clothes and the fine rings. No, and the, uh, you know. Yeah. You, your money's in us. It's yeah. in it's in the friends. It's in this community you've built. It's in food that comes out, and every bit of food that you'll order here looks different. It looks appealing. It didn't look like you pulled it out of a package or opened a can and dropped it in a bowl. It, yeah. it comes out incredible, from the red beans and rice to the to the platter. Like if you guys come here and you like. Um, uh, what are the things that I love? The chips, the sweet potato chips. Sweet potato chips. You like sweet potato chips? It, it's. I, I was always thinking I'd get a portion like this, and it's always a portion like that. How do you? Huh? Uh, how do you survive? I mean, like, you know, I mean, but but yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. You're looking at value, and you're saying I'm not going to overprice my food, which I think you could. Um. And, and therefore, I want. When I do, it's his fault. <laughs> well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I try to be fair. You know, I, I look at what I pay for it, and and I know what my markup needs to be, and I crunch the numbers and hope I did my math right. And oh, go, okay. well, there it is. Well, that's and it, and it is fair. That's kind of cheap. It's, it's beyond fair. Uh, and I've eaten, like I said, between my wife and I, we've eaten all over Europe, many many places in this world. We've eaten at, and the food is very reasonably priced, and. It's almost as if we could eat here rather than eat at home. Not quite, but yeah. real close, you know. Especially if you're working, which this community right here, it's working. Yeah. People are working. I mean, Eglin Air Force Base is going 24-7. Yep. The, the, the free world. The seventh group is going 24-7. They are too, man. <laughs> EOD schools. The EOD all, school, yeah. I mean, good night. And, and it's like... The power of this country, and, and here you are feeding these folks. Yeah, here you are honoring them, honoring our families, your family, your le the right. legacy, and you're, in your building is a lady who will cut your hair. She's been cutting hair for thirty years. You said thirty-one years. Yeah, thirty-one years. It's a good haircut, not like mine. Mine's okay, but <laughs> she's got she does a good haircut. Yep. But you have to call and make an appointment. Oh yeah, thirty-one years. You can't walk in. No. She worked on the base for I forget how long. She said she worked on there, and then went into business for herself thirty-one years ago. Uh, had a partner at the time, and uh, she's been in the same location for thirty-one years. Uh, you know, your building in in this building. Yeah, yeah. I didn't own it for thirty-one years, but uh, that's um, pretty cool, though. Yeah, I mean, and, like, and she's got pictures on the wall. Uh, you know of guys that have come in and gotten their haircut there or or pictures that they valued they said renee i want you to have this and it's on the wall in there and you know you can you know some of your older vets could probably come in there and and sit there and go oh, i know that plane it, yeah, um, no that there is that yeah like i, I the other day so i was on um my nephew loves like his his dad's in the military and, and he loves military stuff. Yeah. And he's playing this game with all these tanks. And I was like, well, he's like, Uncle Matt, were you ever on a tank? I was like, well, I was around a few. And, um, but I was on Bradley's. Uh -huh. I, I was with my first unit when I was enlisted. Was We had Bradley's in that unit. And he's like, what's a Bradley? You know, and he looks it up and he looks, you know, and he goes to the game and he finds this stuff. And it's kind of cool, like something inside of me, 
I felt good that my nephew saw value in, in what was at that time was a pretty hard place in my life. Yeah. I mean, I was I was a young specialist. I was not at the top of the food chain. Well, I never really was at the top of the food chain. Yeah. But I tell you, at that time, I was shining boots for my chaplain. I was I was cleaning up after him. I was I was his servant. I was a chaplain assistant. Uh-huh. And it was not an easy gig for me. It took a lot of humility because I went from owning a lawn service here where I could do a lot of work and people would sometimes pay you to <laughs> to everything I did was based on this individual's whim and will. Yeah. Everything. I mean, it's like you can go there, you can go do that, you can do this. Uh, you you may not be home for dinner tonight. Sorry. You're yeah. just going to go with me. And and it was tough. And then here's and in that unit we had Bradleys. And here's my young nephew checking out the Bradleys going, "Uncle Matt, that's really cool." Blah blah blah, you know, like he's a kid. And, yeah. But it was cool because he, he saw the value in something I had seen. Just like she's got those pictures on the wall. Just like you've got some model. What is that model over there that these guys made for you? Uh, that's, a, that's an F-35. And uh, I was an honorary commander for the 33rd maintenance wing. Yeah? 2015. And the, the, the actual commander of that wing, or that uh, squadron, I'm sorry, uh, was a regular here. And, and he said, hey. Have you ever heard of this? I said, No, I never heard of that. What is that? So he uh, he nominated me to be honorary commander, and uh, uh, it's customary when they, they had a whole change of command ceremony uh, on the base, and they issued me a temporary ID for the for the year, and uh, I had to go on there and find my way to the right place. And um, <laughs> oh, we know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, and I go there, and they they had the you know they brought the base commander out and. Uh, uh, they had a full change of command with all the outgoing honorary commanders and all the incoming honorary commanders, and uh, um, you know, it was a really neat uh, program that they got going. But what Mo said was, he said, "Well, you know, traditionally they give a you know F thirty five model, you know, this we're maintenance on the F 35s um, but this is Cafe Bienville, and you can't just have a plain old gray F thirty five so he had one of his uh, uh, one of his guys come in, and he walked in the front door. Uh, my wife saw this. He walked in the front door with his phone and went click, 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 and walked out. And she's like, um, "This guy just came in and <laughs> took three pictures and left." And I was yeah. like, "Okay, that's kind of weird." And uh, at at the change of command ceremony. Mo presented me with this uh, this airplane. He said, uh, "You know, we couldn't just give you a plain old gray uh, F-35 as a as a token gift because uh, it's Cafe Bienville. And you're a little bit weird." So I sent I sent a guy over and he took some pictures, and uh, uh, this is what we came up with. And he presented me with this, and it's a it's a really neat uh, model. It's hand painted. Um, it's got some crawfish on there and a skull. Their uh, their uh, mascot was a skeleton, and the, the the offices were just covered in in skeletons and you know pirate flags and you know anything with a skull on it. So there's a there's a skull on there. There's a fleur de lis. There's some crawfish on there, uh, all hand painted by uh, by one of the guys in the squadron. And uh, y'all come in, y'all check that out. Yep. It was a very, very nice, uh, you know, uh, very nice gift. Uh, a lot of thought went into it. And we figured out the mystery of who that guy was that came in and just took three <laughs> pictures. <laughs> three pictures and left. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that was our guy. He's like, oh, <laughs> makes sense. What, what about the, you've got this really cool rooster when you walk in the door. What is that? That was found on the side of the road by one of my employees. Uh, she was riding a, a scooter. So good, <laughs> she had a, a little Vespa scooter, and she was riding home, and she saw this rooster. It was broken. Uh, the arm had broken off. Uh, I don't know what it was eventually, uh, originally, but uh, she said, oh, my gosh, that's so Cafe Bienville. She just started working there. And she picked it up and rode home with it, and then she rode back to the restaurant with this thing, with this rooster, <laughs> this broken rooster. She said, look what I found. 
And we're like, it's a broken piece of crap. <laughs> he's like, no, it's a rooster. Look, if you clean it up, and we're like, huh, that is pretty cool. It he's is pretty cool. He's wearing a tuxedo, and he's holding a tray like this, and we're going to put menus on that guy. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, the to-go menus are on the rooster. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there, there you, go. you go. Tucked from the Michelin stars. Yeah, that's uh, that's our homage to fine dining. Yes. Cool. Yeah. When I get that video fixed and everything, I'll put it up on Vet Church video too. Oh, the Dr. Comfy one. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's another another wing of Vet Church that I haven't really <laughs> had time to get into, but I've I've got it. I've I've yeah. done like one or two video things up there, but I haven't really publicized it. But yeah, I'll sure. We should get a picture of that thing on the front. <laughs> so, hey, oh, and yeah. the doorknob. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The talk to us about the doorknob. The original too. place. Um, it was built in 1934, and I think this doorknob was on the original door. It's an old brass knob, um, you know, stamped brass. It's got kind of ornate. Uh, it's cool looking. Yeah, it's really cool looking. It's got a. a plate on it that holds it in place and and that doorknob broke it stopped working we actually uh nobody could get in and out of the building mm. <laughs> because the doorknob had broken and literally there were there were people trying to get in and they couldn't get in and, and there were people saying we got to leave so we, we had to route them through the kitchen and out you know watch your step down there and look out for the cat and yeah because after a while it would just spin like you just it would just pull open yeah that after the first time it broke I made it so that it just spun and you just pulled it. And, um, when it finally broke all the way, I took the the knob off and I just put some new brass push plates or you know a D handle and a push plate on it because um, it just it wasn't working. It was coming apart uh, and people were getting locked in and out. <laughs> so it it came out, but I was like, "There's got to be something we can do with this. I, I can't throw it away. I'll hang it on the wall or something." And uh, it never came up until we got here, and we needed a way to open the back door. I said, "That's where it's going." So it's on the back door. It's on the back door. Cool. Yep. Well, anything else you'd like to say? I don't think so. I, I, you know, it's a, uh, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, it's. I feel the same with you. It's, uh, it's really nice to see you as you are now. Because I remember when you were not as healthy as you are now. You mean back during the time when I was on like 15 pills a day? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, we worried about you and we prayed for you. And, uh, um, you know, was, we we were happy when you came in. It was like, Matt's here. He's still alive. He's still alive. Because <laughs> you were riding that bike in the dark. Oh, I was. That recumbent bike. And uh, we're like, Matt, are you crazy? <laughs> There was a, there was a touch there. I, I still have that recumbent bike, but yeah. I don't ride on these highways anymore. Yeah, that that was uh, so you'd come in and we're like, yes, he's still alive. <laughs> and and it's been a it's been a pleasure watching you progress and 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 kind of become who you are now. Um, we you know, especially I, because we because you weren't in a good place when we met. No, I, I was. And, uh, I was really well. When I first met you, I was fine, but. But I was still in the military. I was still. I, it was at the end. I was really struggling. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. I, I, you're, you're if back I'm going to be honest, yeah. I was really struggling. Um, yeah. I was in pain constantly, and then mentally, I wasn't doing well with all the the hurt and the suffering I'd seen. Right. I'm still not doing real well with that. Yeah. But I'm doing well, trying to do something good. Yeah. You know. So. I agree. It's been a long journey. Yeah. And I'm glad to be doing this. And I think yeah. that the, the, the fact that we're doing the first podcast, like, you know, y'all, can y'all see this on the little thing? Can they see the, yeah, cool. So, uh, and I bought all this stuff. I was thinking I was going to record music. <laughs> I mean, I still do some, but I'm, I'm so glad that like Scott Carpenter called me up and said, Hey, I want to tell everybody what's happened in my life on vet church and i'm glad that justin touche said to me this vet church is bigger than you chaplain 
and you're helping people out, and you need to keep doing it. And, and I'm glad that all the people came alongside me and kept pushing me because that happened over and over and over and over again. Because one of the things I know about post-traumatic stress, it, it's okay to it's okay to realize that you're isolating. It's, it's not okay to go, well, I'm doing it, so I'm just going to keep doing it. That's not a good right, thing. Yeah. It was hard to break out and to like come back. And then constantly thinking, well, I'm going to do something, call it church, and I'm going to do a form of communion on Sundays. It's not quite what we would do in a regular service. And I'm doing it because maybe I can't make it back to the regular service right now. And I, and I couldn't. You know, Now I, I can go to church in different places. But then, I, and then it, at the time, I couldn't. And it was okay. God was still there. God's still yeah. real. God still cared. And um, it, Vet Church was never meant to be a substitute for real church and real communion right. and, and real community. And, and I don't think it is. I think now the real purpose is that we do, we share these stories. Yeah. And, and we find the other Right. Matt French's who are out there cooking and caring for and we find the other you know Car- Scott Carpenters and Dan Kelly's and, and the other folks who are who are continually giving back to their community who are continually caring for other people who are living and who are saying hey it's okay to open up the blinds to let the sunlight in it's okay to walk out the door and go see what people are doing it's okay to go shopping on yeah. in the afternoon as opposed to three in the morning it's all right yep. to live real life again. It's okay to get out into nature and walk through the mountains and the hills and the bayous, the swamps. The swamps yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's not just okay; it's important. Yeah. And yeah, thanks, man. It's been good. Oh, okay, so as we're going out, Monday through Friday, six thirty to four p.m. Cafe Bienville, nine to two on Saturday. Sunday, Matt's not working. <laughs> What's your phone number, man? 678 2233. 850 678 2233. 2233. And they're on Facebook. And they're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, I think that's it. I'm telling y'all, of, of all the restaurants in Northwest Florida, I would rather eat here than any other restaurant. Now, there's a lot of good food down here, folks. I mean, there's a lot of good food. There, there's great seafood. There is, there's great Mexican food. Um, all, all kinds of ethnic foods. Well, the it, Thai food around here is phenomenal. Oh, it is. Oh, my goodness. And, and what's her name up in uh, Crestview? Nelly. Nelly's. Oh. She makes this oh, the lumpia. Yeah, the Filipino, too, yeah. Yeah, man oh man and, and I love all that food but this is it for me right here like my favorite you know I, I, I'll eat wherever I can eat because I need to eat and I like eating but but you're that bacon lettuce tomato and egg or just, just the BLT or just the BLT but it like you figured that bacon out Whew, I've never had a bad piece of bacon in here and the red beans and rice I, I I chose it. You did. Yeah, yeah. You're not. You're not butchering anything. Right. But I'm not curing it. <laughs> I did try curing it, but that. <laughs> Who would try that? <laughs> it's it's incredible. This, this stuff's better. And that coffee you're making, there's good coffee. There, I yeah. mean, there's some incredible coffee in this in this area. There's a place across the street from you make some good yeah. drinks. Cafe Liquid. Yep. And they, their coffee is roasted. Locally in Fort Walton Beach. Yeah. Our coffee is roasted locally in Destin. Okay. For those of you not in the area, these are 10, 11 miles away. Um, you know, Destin Coffee Company does ours. Um, there's another coffee company uh, a little further out, uh, 30A. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, lo- there's a lot of good coffee around here. It is. And if, you, if you go to the local places. And that nitro coffee, to me... It's just hands down with the little bubbles. Yeah. Reminds me of chugging along, doing the tiny bubbles. Y'all, y'all know the cadence. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Excellent food. Thank you. Thanks for doing this interview with us. Sure. Thanks for honoring 
this community and honoring my family and caring for my mom. I'll never forget that. And uh, good times, brother. Thanks, good man. Time. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, Kate, you want to sign us out? Because I'm going to. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Thank you for joining us for part two of this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.